Chapter Twenty Four of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Doom Castle by Neil Munro. Chapter Twenty Four. A Broken Tryst. The Chamberlain's quarters were in the eastern turret, and there he went so soon as he could leave his grace who quickly forgot the Frenchman and his story, practising upon Simon the speech he had prepared in his evening walk, alternated with praise extravagant, youthfully rapturous almost, of his duchess, who might, from all his chafing at her absence, have been that night at the other end of the world instead of merely in the next county for a few days' visit. "'Ah, you are smiling, Sim,' said he. "'Old Winstone!' you fancy argyle an imbecile of uxoriousness well well my friend you are at liberty lord knows it's not a common disease among dukes eh sim but then women like my jean are not common either or marriages were less fashions upon my word i would saddle jock and ride this very night to Luss just to have the fun of throwing pebbles at her window in the morning and see her wonder and pleasure at finding me there do you know what cousin I'm going to give a ball when she comes home. We'll have just the neighbours, and I'll ask Monsieur Soidisson, who'll give us the very latest step. I like the fellow's voice, it rings the sterling metal. And now, my lords, this action on the part of the government, oh, the devil fly away with politics, I must go to a lonely bed. And off said Macailen Moore, the noble, the august, the man of silk and steel, whom it was Simon MacTaggart's one steadfast ambition in life to resemble even in a remote degree. And then we have the Chamberlain in his third room, envious of that blissful married man, and warmed to a sympathetic glow with Olivia floating through the images that rose before him. He drew the curtains of his window and looked in that direction, where doom, of course, was not for material eyes, finding a vague pleasure in building up the picture of the recluse tower dark upon its promontory. It was ten o'clock. It had been arranged at their last meeting that without the usual signal he should go to her to-night before twelve. Already his heart beat quickly. His face was warm and tingling with pleasure and excitation. He felt a good man." by god he cried if it was not for the old gore what for does heaven or hell send the worst of its temptation to the young and ignorant if i had met her twenty years ago twenty years ago huh clack goes the weaver's shuttle twenty years ago it was her mother and sim mactaggart without a hair on his face trying to kiss the good lady of doom and her perhaps no half unwilling I'm glad, I'm glad. He put on a pair of spurs, his fingers trembling as those of a lad dressing for his first ball, and the girl a fairy in white, with her neck pink and soft and her eyes shy like little fawns in the wood. And how near I was to missing it, he thought, but for the scheming of a fool I would never have seen her. It's not too late, thank the Lord for that. No more of you for Sim MacTaggart. I've cut with the last of it, and now my face is to the stars. 
His hands were spotless white, but he poured some water in a basin and washed them carefully, shrugging his shoulders with a momentary comprehension of how laughable must that sacrament be in the eyes of the worldly Sim MacTaggart. He splashed the water on his lips, drew on a cloak, blew out the light, and went softly downstairs and out at a side door, for which he had a pass-key. The night was still, except for the melancholy sound of the river running over its cascades and echoing under the two bridges. Odours of decaying leaves surrounded him, and the air of the night touched him on his hot face, like a benediction. A heavy dew clogged the grass of Cane Barn as he made for the stables, where a man stood out in the yard waiting with a black horse saddled. Without a word he mounted and rode, the hoofs thudding dull on the grass. He left behind him the castle, quite dark and looming in its nest below the sentinel hill. He turned the bay, the town revealed a light or two, a bird screamed on the ebb shore. Something of all he saw and heard touched a fine man in his cloak, touched a decent love in him, his heart was full with wholesome joyous ichor, and he sang softly in the creaking saddle, rang an air of good and clean old Gaelic sentiment that haunted his lips until he came opposite the very walls of doom. He fastened his horse to a young hazel and crossed the sandy interval between the mainland and the rock, sea-rack bladders bursting under his feet and the smells of seaweed dominant over the odours of the winter wood. The tower was pitch dark. He went into the bower, sat on the rotten seat among the damp bedraggled strands of climbing flowers, and took his flageolet from his pocket. He played softly, breathing in the instrument the very pang of love. It might have been a psalm and his forsaken dew-drenched bower a great cathedral, so rapt, so devoted, his spirit as he sought to utter the very deepest ecstasy. Into the reed he poured remembrance and regret, the gathered lights of riot and folly lived and sorrowed for, the ideals cherished and surrendered, the remorseful sinner, the awakened soul. No one paid any heed in Castle Doom. That struck him suddenly with wonder, as he ceased his playing for a moment, and looked through the broken trellis to see the building black below the starry sky. There ought, at least, to be a light in the window of Olivia's room. She had made the tryst herself, and never before had she failed to keep it. Perhaps she had not heard him. And so to his flageolet again, finding a consolation in the sweetness of his own performance. Ah, said he to himself, pausing to admire, ah, there is no doubt I finger it decently well, better than most, better than any I've heard, and what's the wonder at that? for it's all in what you feel and the most of people are made of green wood there's no green timber here i'm cursed if i'm not the very ancient stuff of fiddles he had never felt happier in all his life the past he wiped that off his recollection as with a sponge now he was a new man with his feet out of the mire and a clean road all the rest of the way with a clean sweet soul for his companion he loved her to his very heart of hearts he had honestly for her but the rendered passion of passion why what kept her he rammed the flageolet impatiently into his waistcoat 
threw back his cloak and stepped out into the garden doom castle rose over him black high and low without a glimmer a terrific apprehension took possession of him he raised his head and gave a signal call so natural that it drew an answer almost like an echo from an actual bird far off in some thicket at aknatra and oh felicity here she was at last the bolts of the door slid back softly the door opened a little figure came out forward swept the lover all impatient fires to find himself before mungo boyd he caught him by the colour of his coat as if he would shake him what game is this what game is this he furiously demanded where is she canny man canny said the little servitor releasing himself with difficulty from the grasp of this impetuous lover faith it's another warning that is not to parley at nicht wi anything less than twa or three inch o oakdale atween ye and ham cut clavers and tell me what ails your mistress ah weel she hasna come oot to the nicht said mungo waving his arms to bring the whole neighbourhood as witness of the obvious fact the chamberlain thrust at his chest and nearly threw him over ye dull-witted lowland brock said he have i not the use of my own eyes give me another word but what i want and i'll slash ye smaller than ye are already with my ferrara oh i'm not that wee said mungo if you would just bite cool cool quahe man i'm up to the neck in fire where is she where any decent lass should be at this oor of the nicht in her naked bed say that again you foul-mouthed dog of fife and i'll gorelock you like a deer cried the chamberlain his face tingling losh the body's cracked said mungo boyd astounded at his nicety i was to meet her to-night does she know i'm here i rapped at her door myself to make sure she did and what said she she told me to go away i said it was you and she said it didna matter didna matter replied the chamberlain viciously mimicking the eastland accent what ails her ye ought to ken that best yoursel it was the last thing i dare ask her said mungo boyd preparing to retreat but his precaution was not called for he had stunned this man the chamberlain drew his cloak about him called with a contemptuous rebuff his mouth parched violent emotions wrought in him but he recovered in a moment and did his best to hide his sense of ignominy oh well said he it's a woman's way mungo you'll likely ken said mungo i've had smear truck with them myself lucky man and now that i mind right i think it was not to-night that i was to come after all I must have made a mistake. If you have a chance in the morn's morning, you can tell her I wasted a tune or two of the flageolet on a ween stars. It is a pleasant thing in the stars, Mungo, that ye eye can where to find them when ye want them. He left the rock and took to horse again and home. All through the dark ride he fervently cursed Count Victor, a prey of an idiotic jealousy. End of chapter 24